Hey everyone, I'm Lee Jen, along with my co-host Nathan Bichez, and welcome to Means of Creation, a show where we are deep diving into the passion economy and the future of work. This podcast is brought to you by the Means of Creation newsletter, which you can find at every.to. Every week we are breaking down the news related to creators and the creator economy and all of the companies in the creator economy and parsing all of the news events that happened that week. This week we break down the news about Clubhouse's new creator monetization tools, as well as the reported numbers of declining daily active users. But that brings me to today's episode. A few weeks ago, Linktree, which is a link in bio platform that serves as the de facto landing page for 12 million creators, just announced a $45 million Series B round of financing led by Index and KOTU. Linktree is used by everyone from celebrities like Selena Gomez to Katy Perry to Chrissy Teigen to large organizations and brands like Shopify, TikTok, Facebook, and Red Bull. In September of last year, it was reported that 28,000 new creators were signing up every day to use Linktree. Today, we're joined by Linktree CEO Alex Zakaria to unpack their most recent pitch to investors, where and how the company fits into the creator economy's future, and much more. Let's get straight into it. Thanks so much, Alex, for being here today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So a few weeks ago, you announced uh, this $45 million fundraise, which is quite sizable. And I think that pretty much quickly followed from the Series A that you had raised maybe last fall, or it wasn't even a year ago. So I'm curious, can you just give us the backstory on how that round came together? And also, what was the pitch and the story that convinced them that they needed to co-lead the round? Yes, absolutely. So we did our Series A in October last year after being bootstrapped uh, for a couple of years, really building a, a product first company and growing super organically uh, and decided at that time that it was time for us to really add fuel to the fire, obviously bring on some capital, but mostly really focused on bringing on the right team to help us see around corners and, and get the right people around the table to help us grow. And that was really no different for the series B. It was we were very fortunate. They were both incredibly competitive rounds that we had a lot of really great interest and a really you know, fast growing uh, company. So it's fast growing products. So we took the time to really pick the right investors that were going to yeah, join us uh, along this journey and be able to help us scale Linktree to where it can be. So we did a series in October and then it was pretty shortly after we were already having the conversations with Index and Koto and a bunch of others around wanting to preempt the next round and run with the next round. Obviously very privileged and excited and it's a great place to be. And we, we were definitely wanting to, after spending a little bit of time raising, wanting to really get back to the product and, and continue building. And so, yeah, we wrapped things up pretty quickly and, and we were just incredibly excited to have Dan Rose with his amazing experience at Amazon and Facebook and Matt Mazio with his great background in, in talent and building products from Co2 and then Danny Reimer at Index uh, and the team there, both, they are all just uh, the exact right people we're looking forward to build, build to add into this round along with uh, the previous investors inside in, and Airtree. Yeah. That's awesome. I was wondering if you can tell us what you think the investment thesis for them was. I know that you're on the founder side, you're not on the investor side, but if you were putting yourselves into their shoes and thinking through, okay, what led them to be intrigued enough to want to invest in this business? What do you think were those leading reasons for the investment thesis? Yeah. So Intree, aside from its great growth rate at the moment, so it's beyond, it's a move past the 28,000, now it's about 30. 34,000 a day 
now and what we're really trying to do around our passions and our values right now of democratizing the internet and democratizing your digital presence and enabling anyone to have your own place on the internet. That obviously speaks to a big chunk of our users that generally on the like the lower end of the digital comprehension spectrum where they're really utilizing Linktree to be able to have a digital presence and that really humbles us and really excites us that we're able to do that for people. And then the complete opposite end of the spectrum where we've got users act, you know, working on behalf of the biggest brands and celebrities and influencers in the world and building functionality for them. And across the board where we're really seeing Linktree evolve well beyond where we started like being tool to solve a problem, which was the link in bio problem, being able to link out of social media in an effective way from a marketing perspective. It's really evolved well beyond that, um, much more into a platform that enables the progression from where you find where you find your audience through to how you monetize them. And a place that is representative of yourself. It's really a place of self-expression. And we're looking at it really as this idea of the future of social identity, where it's your self-expression, absolutely everything about you, everything that's most recent and relevant to you and the actions that you actually want your audience to take. And I think for our investors, they were really recognizing the opportunity of where Linktree is going in terms of the ability to be able to unify everyone's digital presence and unify your entire digital and social identity into one place in a really simple, effective, clutter-free, frictionless environment. And I know obviously... Code 2 definitely see things that way. Dan Rose with his experience back at Facebook where, you know, obviously building that kind of thing for a very long time and recognizing that now really the only way to be able to do that is being in a platform agnostic environment, not in, right. in a proprietary company. And that a kind of word identity can be a little bit of like a, a bit of a dirty word and it's not about your social security number and privacy you know, and those kind of things. It's about your self-expression and being able to show all sides of you as a creator, as an individual, as a brand, as a business all in one place in a really effective way and be able to drive conversion, enable you, enabling uh, really simple conversion. Um, and so, yeah, the future is really exciting. I think the phrase you used somewhere, I forget what it was a quote in a story or in the blog post you wrote announcing the series B, but it's deceptively simple. The product is deceptively simple. And it seems like if you're like a young engineer who wants to create something cool, maybe you could build something like Linktree in a week or something like that. And of course, you couldn't really replicate everything that Linktree has to offer functionality wise. But if you just take the basic, you can have a background color and then a row of buttons or whatever, and people can choose what they want their buttons to link out to. And there's some basic analytics like that is the kind of thing that's easy to build pretty quickly. But yet Linktree still has this huge market share and there are competitors that are like pretty sophisticated in the market. I'm curious why, is it just brand recognition? I see the famous people using and plus my friends using Linktree. And so of course that's where I'm going to start it. Or what are the other kind of like reasons why people may choose to use Linktree rather than a competitive service? Yeah, totally. Look, it's a, it's a fascinating conundrum for us because we, one of our core pillars is simplicity. We build everything to be as simple as possible. Uh, and obviously that simplicity means that there's lots, like you said, lots of engineers, lots of companies thinking it's simple and essentially cloning it entirely. And that to us is actually flattering. We look at it and go, okay, we've made it look that simple. And it does look that simple and feel that simple. And that's a great thing. And that's what we've been trying to achieve. But we know how actually complex it is. Building simple things is actually the most complicated. To be able to mm. enable that kind of simplicity and intuitive uh, UI and how contextual everything is and how we really focus on not not putting our users through this really high cognitive load, how it's really simple to both log on and, and get going, but also continue to evolve your entry, evolve the way it looks and feels and converts. And so 
for us, we created this category and nothing existed when we started it. And it was obviously less simple than building this category and getting users and visitors and the audience and the internet to accept this simple list of links and understand the reason why it's valuable was the first part of it. And now as we're reaching that kind of critical mass, obviously competitors are going to come along. For us, it is, we're continuing to evolve the product. It's no longer this link in bio tool, which we're, you know, where a lot of competitors are sitting. And we're very focused. We've always been incredibly focused, like I said, on simplicity, but equally on the visitor and on the user. The UI is hyper-focused on conversion. It's mm. about driving simplicity. It's about driving clutter-free, frictionless environment for converting. And that's bringing all our digital digital agency experience, digital hyper-focus on performance marketing, conversion experience in. And for us, it's not about jamming all this functionality and just at least having this feature artist and just giving heaps of features. It's about picking the right ones and building them in a way that's actually going to drive conversion and not affect results. It's about results at the end of the day for users where they're going to actually get their audience to where they want to get them to in as, in as quick in a way that's fast and simple for them and in less clicks. And we see that sometimes users will, will want something to work differently, but we try to guide our users and have some guardrails around them having control over their branding and agency over their identity and their presence while still enabling their profile to be hyper-focused on conversion and, and making sure that it matches everything we need to from an accessibility perspective, SEO perspective, that the way uh, we guide users and their eyes exactly towards where we need to get them to. We build a lot of research into the way we're affecting results. Uh, and I think yeah, that's definitely the very tricky part when you can just obviously clone exactly what our UI looks like, but when you're not really looking into the exact reasons and the research behind and how we're thinking about every single feature and product and the way we look at the UI, um, it's obviously very different. Yeah, it's really fascinating how in some sense, I think Linktree is almost in a better position to inform the creator as to what should be on their LinkedIn bio and on their mm. Linktree page than the creator does. We think of creators as people who have like extreme agency over their digital presence. They can craft it however they want to. And so they may be tempted to put things on their page that in a certain order, have it look a certain way. But actually, you guys are able to look across the entire universe of pages and say, actually, this is the format in which it will convert the best. If you want your results to be this, then you should do this. And it's almost like being a manager at scale and having a more data-driven approach to that. Absolutely. Yeah. And for us, like we said, it's about when we talk about users having their ag agency over their identity, it's also about what they want their audience to know about them, not what an algorithm wants their audience to know, it thinks they want their audience to know about them, right? You can Google Selena Gomez and you'll find her birth weight and her height but you can't find immediately what she cares about right now, most recently, most relevantly. And you look at her link tree and it's this curated list of links by her in priority order of what she cares about. And that mm -hmm. to us is really the self-expression of what you care about most recently and relevantly. And I think when we're talking about that kind of, we'll never do anything around automatically or just like changing the way your link tree looks just to aid conversion, but we will enable our users to learn from it. Like I mentioned earlier, some of our, more democratized users, users that are really utilizing Linktree to have a digital presence. 
they may not be trained necessarily in digital and not necessarily know what click-through rate is or if they do how to really utilize it to optimize their conversion and how to optimize their monetization. And that's what we really intend on enabling our users to understand more and give them the tips in the right places contextually to help them uh, yeah, put the right links, put them in the right order, uh, link them to the right places. Again, we're all about conversion. We're building a lot of functionality that enables you to to actually take that action in your link tree. So you click a you click a button and it'll show a video or a right. recent launch of commerce links where you can make a donation or actually make requests inside Linktree. But for us, it's not about keeping people in Linktree. Again, it's about getting people to where they want to go, getting an audience to where you want to get them to as quickly as possible. And if if driving monetization inside Linktree is what you need them to do or driving them to watch a video really quickly inside Linktree is what you need them to do. And our data shows that that will enable conversion better, then do that. If you need to get them over to YouTube because you need to make you make the most of their monetization, then do that also. And we encourage either way, whatever's best for our user. Totally. The thing you mentioned about like the hypothetical where you Google someone like Selena Gomez, and it's so easy to find out like, okay, like Wikipedia information or whatever, stuff like height and weight, date of birth, whatever. But it's interesting how for a lot of people, when you Google them, if they're not celebrities, you might get their LinkedIn, you might get their Facebook account, something like that. Are you seeing SEO as a potential channel for Linktree or do you measure like how much is coming from that? Because it's not just necessarily LinkedIn bio. It could also be LinkedIn search result, basically. Totally. And that's exactly what we're talking about when we're saying, you know, Linktree's really evolved outside of a LinkedIn bio. We see Linktree really is your jumping off point. It's not... Uh, it's no longer needing to be from a Lincoln bio. We're recognizing that Linktree as a platform and, and this category that we created is really evolving well beyond this kind of idea of being able to link out a Lincoln bio. It's the category is growing into the website space. We're seeing a huge amount of brands no longer needing a website, uh, this big brand immersive website, just to be able to host their presence. We've made it completely acceptable now for brands to have this really simple clutter-free list of links as a link tree and especially from a campaign perspective, no longer spending millions of dollars building these epic brand web- websites where you can have a that's that's designed specifically for conversion, get people to where you need to get to out of wherever you're linking them to, linking them from and where, wherever your audience lives. And that may not be social. We're seeing a huge amount of traffic come from direct just because we, and especially from uh, return traffic to profiles, we're seeing direct. So someone will search Jamie Oliver, find the latest recipe, remember that recipe or they'll just remember mm. that it's a link tree and go directly to it. We also see uh, search actually and SEO being quite significant. In, in many cases, the link tree shows above the actual person's own website. We know our domain reputation score is something like 91, 92. And for reference, Wikipedia is 95. So we know that we drive a lot of results. Uh, again, our, our profiles are very built with SEO in mind and driving ultimate traffic conversion in mind. And there's kind of this myth that out there that you need traffic to go directly to your website to improve SEO, whereas actually the fact is getting links from Linktree as a domain, which has a very high domain reputation score to your website, is actually far better for your website's SEO as well. And so we really try to educate our users in this kind of digital methodology to still link to their website if they have a website. You actually don't need a website. You can do everything you need to do. And especially in an environment right now where... Platforms that host content incentivize you to host their content on that platform, right? And so it's not about having this big brand immersive website. It's about having a link tree, something like a link tree that enables you to just get your audience to wherever you're hosting that content and wherever you're able to monetize that content. 
Alex, can you give us a quick run through of just like the high level latest metrics that have been announced publicly for the company in terms of creators, pages, audience, that sort of thing? Yeah, so it's about it's between 33, 35,000 signups a day, just nearing 13 million, over 4 million of those users were in the last three months. I haven't announced this publicly yet. I can say here, though, it's really uh, now at 800 million unique visitors a month on profiles. Amazing. So it's significantly nearing, nearing in on the billion and yeah, growing really quickly in that way. And that for us is a really big part of the, our brand presence and the way we think about equally our visitors and our users on profiles and how we make sure that those 800 million visitors are having the best possible experience and actually achieving what they came to Linktree for. And so we focus a lot on that. Got it. I want to talk a little bit about the arc of social platforms and the internet and our identity on the internet. So in some sense, it's really interesting that Dan Rose, who was at Facebook for a long time, is now an investor in Linktree because everything that you said about Linktree being the home of all of your all of your links across the internet, all of the different properties that you might want people to see. Like Facebook wanted to be that. Facebook was supposed to be your canonical identity online and be a reflection of who you were and what you stood for, or if you were a company, like all the information related to your company. And obviously there's been so much fragmentation in social platforms since that vision of Facebook. And now you not only have a Facebook profile, you have LinkedIn, Twitter, Snap, TikTok, new ones every day. There's new creator monetization tools being announced every single day, tons of startups building in the space. And so the trend is towards more fragmentation. And it's interesting that Linktree, the existence of Linktree, I think it's like a a really interesting statement on the state of how fragmented our identity is online. So I would love to hear your thoughts on like, where is that going? Does it even get, does it get worse from here? Are we going to be siloing our information on various different platforms more and more? And eventually, will our link trees look like 10-page Word documents of links where we have a bit of our profiles here and there across hundreds of different siloed platforms and walled gardens? Where does this all go? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting observation. I think actually Dan Rose was talking about this yesterday on, our, on a clubhouse chat we are having, and it was very much, he was very much talking about Facebook, obviously, was that for, for a while, and they were building mm-hmm. this timeline where you had everything about your entire life on there. Right. And that was a great idea, but actually what ended up, what they ended up recognizing it was that wasn't the only place people shared. People ended up sharing on Instagram and a few other places, and also that people didn't necessarily care about history of others they care about what they, what they're doing right now and that's really where Linktree comes in where we're not talking about historically all their different platforms and what they're doing it's what they're doing right now what you need your audience to take action on when we started Linktree we recognized that we, so we're, the agency we're running at the time was specializing in music and entertainment looking after heaps of festivals and record labels and artists and recognize that artists as creators didn't have agency, real complete agency over how they represented themselves. They usually had to just link to one particular monetization method. They might link to their streaming, they might link to their record, to their touring, or they might link to their merch or to their video. And they could only really do it one at a time. And each of them had a different stakeholder. Like each of them had, each of those revenue streams had a different stakeholder for them. So they had their manager looking after their merch and their record label caring about their streaming and their touring agent caring about their touring. And so 
they consistently had this kind of fight over what links we should be sharing. And that was really fragmented. It was kind of this like fragmented revenue streams for a creator at that time. It's really why we built Linktree to be able to solve that problem. And what's ended up evolving from there is actually just the entire internet has become really fragmented and why we've continued to evolve into many other verticals and categories because we're seeing this explosion of social platforms. We're seeing users and people really start to understand the differences in the platforms and what they're, they're built for and being very comfortable with utilizing that platform for what it is. It's Twitter for conversation and Instagram for sharing pretty things and it's Clubhouse for sharing knowledge and going all in on particular areas and really just creating content for that particular vertical. And obviously, as we see younger generations come through and that type of content change and the way they use different platforms. And so it's no longer this kind of one monolithic social media platform where you share everything. Everyone's really comfortable sharing across different platforms. So I think we'll continue to see that evolve. I do think that there is a limit to what the human mind can handle. And I don't think we're going to see 15, 20, 30 social media platforms. But obviously and those that actually really provide value within a particular content space and with a particular within a particular demographic or whatever it might be will be the ones that survive and, and again literally is really built to unify your entire digital presence in that way and the reason why we continue to build functionality that makes it really easy to do that so we'll definitely continue to see this fragmentation and Linktree will always be there to help you unify that in the, in the simplest possible way in the most powerful way possible it will definitely encourage and educate our users not to have hundred links on your link training, but we are definitely building functionality and doing research around how we can continue to reduce that cognitive load as there actually are many more places that our users need to share. So how do we help categorize links? How do we help detect what the visit is actually there for and help surface that to them more quickly? Yeah, those kinds of things. It's definitely interesting times. How much do you think the growth of Linktree has been propelled by the fact that these social media platforms where people are building their audiences and building a following, they're distinct from the properties that you want to funnel your audience to when you start thinking about monetization and how do I actually build a source of income for myself and make this content creation thing sustainable financially? Like how much of the need for Linktree is driven by bridging that gap between this is where my audience is and it's a different place than where I monetize my audience. And I guess my follow-up question from that is like, when they start to become the same place, like when Twitter starts introducing super follow and review, when Clubhouse starts introducing monetization, et cetera, does the need for a Lincoln bio tool then start to diminish? I wouldn't say it's a big part of the reason for growing. I think it's a big part of the reason for users becoming more comfortable and, and becoming better at best practice in terms of continue, consistently updating their links and linking to the right places and linking to their uh, different places. And also we've seen a huge increase in the in a amount of unique places that a user installs their link tree. So on average, mm-hmm. we see around 3.5 different locations that a user installs their link tree. So maybe Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, Pinterest on their business cards and their resume and their email signature. And so it's really continuing to be about that unification. And even as these platforms continue to build in monetization to their platforms, a creator's entire audience isn't going to be on that one platform. And so the ability to be able to link to the other areas that you can monetize that audience is continue, will continue to be more important. So you might still be 
have, you might still have a newsletter on Substack that you need people to subscribe to and you might also be streaming on Twitch where you get people to subscribe and you make money, but you still want to be able to cross-pollinate that audience and be able to supplement that income and, and be able to connect them together. So I think that a user's identity is not just monolithic. It's not just about if they're a gamer, it's not just on Twitch. They're still going to have other platforms. They're still going to have another, they're going to have their Discord as well as their Twitch, as well as their Instagram and their Twitter and really wanting, and even if it's not monetizing on those other platforms, it's still a representation of them and who they are and the ability to be able to streamline that and not not have to choose in one place the only other place you're going to link them to, but link them to a place where you're able to give the visitor agency over where they want to get to and also help drive them to where you need to get them to. So continuing to really streamline the progression of user flows on the internet through to where users actually need them to get to is what we're about. And I think that will continue to evolve even as, I think it's really amazing that platforms are are enabling the passion economy in that way. And I think obviously Patreon doing amazingly that kind of really, that kind of functionality really spurring on every other platform to build membership and build transactions. I think the simpler we make it for creators to be able to drive revenue for themselves, the closer we get to this idea where creators can just, they're, they're recognized as just, you know, right up there with every other, with every other profession and they're continuing to make a living for themselves by actually monetizing their passion. I think that's awesome. Totally. I think it makes total sense. Even if you primarily make your money and have most of your audience on, say, Twitch, you still are going to have a bio on Twitch that you want to point people to your Twitter or whatever else. One thing that is interesting to me about that is there's, like with the focus on conversion, it makes sense. You want to direct people to a certain place. And so when you have people's attention because they're looking at your profile and they're clicking on the link in your bio, there's like specific places you can pull them. But also those people might be interested to hear from you more proactively. And so one of the links in my bio might be like an email list. But that also feels like the kind of thing that because email is this sort of open system, that Linktree would be in a really good position to do where I could do like a simple version of it's, it's, it's not for Substack where it's like for writers who like are trying to make a living with their writing. It's just for anyone who wants to say, hey, if you're interested in, like you said earlier, like what's on my mind, what's most interesting to me lately, it could be like the email list tool for everyone rather than just for people who like want to be serious writers or whatever else. Is that something you do? Is that something you might do? It feels like a good extension to me. Every time I talk to you, Nathan, you're, you're pretty spot on with where we're thinking. I think it's definitely a consideration. However, the power of Linktree comes from doing one thing and doing one thing very well and maintaining the simplicity. And we're really platform agnostic and we want to see every platform around the creator economy thrive. And so we, we won't, even as we've been thinking, for example, around our social commerce functionality, we know there's many other platforms in the creator economy that that. I enable similar functionality and we actually, rather than being conflicting and trying to compete in those areas, wanting our users, again, if they're using a platform that does that for them already, encouraging them, they'd still be able to use that link off. But if using the Linktree version of the functionality enables better conversion, easier revenue for them, then they can use that as well. When we consider, we, we think about that, obviously with every platform being a unification tool where you're linking to every platform, we want to make right. sure that we're linking, continuing to link to every other platform. So we integrate, we think more heavily around the idea of having a really deep integration to MailChimp or ConvertKit or those kind of platforms and make that really easy. But we definitely have some ideas around the way to keep a user's audience updated about their links. And like you said, it's, I would I wish I could write well enough that I could have a sub stack. I just love the idea of being able to like 
have my thoughts that way, but I could never, ever, yeah, I, I get distracted after writing 20 words. And but the idea of the things that I would share on my link tree and having these kind of short, sharp bursts of informing my audience about something that I care about is, is definitely something interesting to us. Totally. It, it relates to another thing that other platforms do, but I think you're thinking about doing, I think I saw some press that maybe commerce is a thing. So like obviously Shopify exists and other in Gumroad and there's ways to sell things on the internet. I'm curious how y'all think about native commerce, like within Linktree versus linking to another platform where the commerce, where the transaction might occur. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of the reason why we can raise such a big round is really for us to go all in on building the future of social commerce. And that doesn't necessarily mean it all happening inside your Linktree. It definitely involves a lot of integration with other platforms. We know that a lot of our users use Shopify and that's awesome. We want to enhance that functionality. We want to enable you to be able to buy you to be able to sell directly inside your link tree what again if we can nail the idea of a checkout flow in a really high converting way then we'll do it if we can't we'll continue to drive off to another platform it's about making sure that it's always the best possible experience for a visitor and for a user not just about trying to keep people on our platform and that's how we think about and a lot of the research we're doing now in design around having you'll be able to show products you'll be able to you'll be able to sell products inside your intro, but you'll also be able to drive off to the right place and convert. We're working directly with a lot of platforms in building that kind of functionality at the moment. We know that I use that, you know, having said that, there's a lot of users that use Shopify, but we know that there's a lot of our users, again, talking about this democratized user, that platforms like that can still be quite overwhelming. We know there's millions of our users that are using Linktree because of its simplicity and be able to get online really easily. And having an entire uh, you know, e-commerce store to build and manage and connected domains and do all that kind of work or having an entire brand immersive website and having to build templates and do all that kind of thing is still overwhelming. And so we really want to build functionality around enabling the sales of products in a really simple way and still being powered by really powerful backend like utilizing those platforms, but how can we make it simple? Uh, so yeah, lots to come there. For sure. We've already launched some functionality around yeah, tip jar, support me type links where you can get uh, tips through selected don- denominations uh, and request links so you can have your uh, have your audience purchase or make requests around whatever your passion might be, making candles, making bracelets, unlocking content, etc. And, and the, the adoption of that has been incredible. Uh, and for us, to really see our, our place being so mainstream, passion economy, creative economy is, is a chunk of what we do. But as you mentioned earlier, these celebrities, these massive brands that use Linktree, it's not just the only thing that Linktree does. It's, it's a really massive, really, ma- you know, the, our, our diversification across all verticals is quite significant. And so we really see our place in the passion economy continuing to evolve the passion economy into consumers and everyone outside of the passion economy. So we really want to make sure that everyone no matter what, if you don't know what the passion economy is, you don't know what these people are doing, that you feel safe when you land on a link tree to transact with this person. And that's what mm-hmm. we really, um, you know, see our place being in, in, in enhancing the passion economy. Very interesting. I want to move us from talking about the future to talking about the past a little bit. Linktree has this really interesting origin story and it's pretty unique among startups that we typically talk about in Silicon Valley in the sense that you guys were bootstrapped for a long time. And last fall, you decided to raise venture funding and it was your first round of venture funding. 
curious what led to that. There's oftentimes a chasm between people who love being bootstrapped and talk about being bootstrapped and are very proud of that. And then folks who want to raise venture financing. And you made that leap. You crossed that chasm. So what led to that? And what was it like being bootstrapped for so long? How has that impacted the business to today? Yeah, totally. I think, yeah, it's really interesting. There is this idea of being super indie and, and bootstrapped and then uh, the complete opposite ends. I see this as a spectrum and it's like the right time. We never really intent, like we never built this business, created this business to go raise venture funding. It was very much a side hustle, a solution to a problem we had in the agency and for our clients. And we built it as a really product-focused solution to a problem that our clients and us were having. How long was it bootstrap for? For three years. Yeah, I think, so we really, where it was a big part of, it was a side hustle and worked on it within the agency, right? For mm. many years, it was 3 million users before we had a full-time employee on it. And that was wow. t- 2019. So you've seen the numbers we're seeing now, we really only focused on it for two years. Obviously we had a lot of focus on it, but in terms of like really building a scale team, we had nine people this time last year, we're now at over 80 close to 90 and it's obviously a, a very significant step towards where we really where we can take entry to on our vision i think i would if i were to do this again i would do the exact same thing i think mm. being bootstrapped enabled us to build the product in the exact way we want to build it it enabled us to be slow and considered with it we weren't trying to make it anything it wasn't we allowed it to build the reputation it had listen to our users and build it and build the and build it with sustainability rather than this kind of like giant hockey stick from the very start and build this brand presence that now Linktree is synonymous with ease and people see a Linktree and they trust clicking on it and when you land in a Linktree you know where you are and you're in a safe place and that's what we've really tried to build for a long time the reason we decided to go raise was because we realized we had that moment where we're like all right well this is continuing to grow. It's we have a lot more work to do on it. We're in little old Melbourne and ninety-nine point seven percent of our users are outside of Australia. And this has a shot at being an incredibly massive company and we need the right people around the table with us to help us grow. And it really was about about yeah, bringing people on and bringing in some capital that enabled us to really pour fuel in the fire in terms of growth and uh, hiring people more rapidly to be able to build the product. Over 70% of our signups are still self-referred and organic from our own platform. We didn't spend a cent on paid advertising until we were well late, early last year, I think it was, a few years in basically, and we're running a digital agency. That's all we did was paid advertising for our clients. Uh, and we still made sure it was just hyper-focused on organic growth and product-led growth. And so the idea of capital raising wasn't about being able to go do huge giant paid spends. It was really about being able to grow a bigger team faster and have the right people around the table to be able to reach our vision quicker. We knew we could do this over 10 years. We want to do it at the three. And that was the, the catalyst. And I'm so glad we did it. Like it was a, a fascinating, even just the caliber of people we got to talk to ourselves mm-hmm. and just like, investors and amazing people in the industry that we probably wouldn't have been exposed to. When you went out to raise that first round of venture last summer, what were the reactions like? Did people know what a Lincoln bio was when you said that you were 
you know, building this thing that helps aggregate all of their like online presences and helps drive audiences from one place to another. I'm curious what the broad venture capitalist response was to that. So we, over the years, had pretty significant interest with VC and I didn't really understand VC, yeah. to be completely honest. It was like, we, to me, I grew up in a small business. My parents had a small business. We built this agency entirely bootstrap. We didn't even take a bank loan from zero to 60 employees in three years. Every single cent we ever made every, just went straight back into the business. And we just, that's just what made sense. You just have to be profitable. And so this idea of just like bringing on capital and not being profitable was just like pretty foreign to me. And so we consistently just said, no, we're just going to continue doing what we're doing. I think when we really kind of realized that, hey, this is probably something we should do, we should just at least go explore it. When I, I basically just went to every VC that had already reached out, which was 30 or 40 of them. And they were the only ones we went and spoke to. So they understood it. They knew what it was. They were seeing the, the increase in traffic and understood the value of it. I don't think they really understood the complete vision and, and direction and, and the potential for the, the massive scale of growth that we're seeing now. But yeah, there was some kind of obviously questions around the, the sustainability of it, which I think evolved pretty quickly over the following months, uh, recognizing its growth and its necessity. Yeah, it was interesting watching it evolve and people really started to recognize like when the a lot of like social movements started happening as well, the Black Lives Matters and Victory being a central location and a place that enabled tens of thousands of people to be able to share their message in a free way really rapidly. That was incredibly humbling to us uh, and really awesome that we could enable that. I think that kind of, there was quite a few kind of social movements like that that ended up happening and, and growth through COVID that happened. And I think a lot of our, uh, a lot of investors started to recognize the, the future potential and understand the vision. Yeah. Interesting times. It's fascinating to me because I think a lot of founders approach it like, what's a really big story that would be exciting to a VC so that we can raise money so that we can get started and get going. And then there's the other set of founders, which we talked about, the like bootstrappy people that are like, what can we do that'll like earn a profit from day one so that we can keep running this thing and we're, we're never going to take investment and because like we don't like it and, and it feels like for Linktree, it was like neither of those approaches. I'm actually curious, like from day one, did you have the paid version of it or... Mm-hmm. Did that not come till later where users could buy premium functionality? It didn't come till later. And like, yeah, I was going to say as well, we would need that. We would just like solve the problem for the user and we'll figure out where, what happens later. We weren't, it wasn't this, we need an idea we can pitch the VCs and it wasn't this, we need this idea that we can make income. We had a real, like the agency was scaling incredibly quickly. We had, we're working 18 hour days just trying to keep that thing alive, let alone like needing to build this other thing to make money. It was really this idea of just solving a, a user's problem. And as it evolved and, and actually turns out many more people had that problem, we started to understand how we could continue to service these users and understand how we could continue to solve their problems. And a lot of those problems ended up being things that would probably cost us probably too much money to, to solve and we needed more people and it continued to grow from there. So we realized that we could monetize it in that way. And again, continue to just, it was just like naturally and sustainably evolving. Totally. So it sounds like it was the fact that it grew out of an agency was critical for the unique formula of Linktree because in order to not need to raise money for it immediately, there needed, it needed to be attached to something that was generating revenue. But yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? It's just there's very unique circumstances that can cause the exact right product with the right business model or, okay, focused on free, focused on just growing users 
focused on solving a problem, not overly focused on something that sounds like whatever, some pitch for VCs that a VC is going to get really excited about on day zero before there's any like proof or whatever. sounds like there's a lot of elements of it. I'm curious, what was it like? Is the agency still going? How did you shift from, because I'm guessing you, your focus just gradually got eaten up by Linktree, right? So what has that whole process been like for you? We, you know, bolster the agencies is our baby. We started it. I grew up around music because I had this passion and this kind of, it really set, built the stepping stones for us and the knowledge we have that's all gone into Linktree, I think. And it's, it's really interesting. I've been asked this question lately around like how did an agency kind of influence the way we built Linktree. And I think for us, it's about having an agency where you're so close to work with clients. All you need to do is solve a client's problem. And it's exactly the same with a product. All you need to do is solve this user's problem. And really thinking about it that way. And I, and then obviously all the expertise from a digital perspective and how performance works and how conversion works and, and all those ideas coming into it. And obviously having an agency where we could utilize resources internally to be able to continue building this. But mostly Mick, my co-founder, he designed the entire thing. And Mike, who was an engineer, still works with us today, who was in the agency. Yeah, we continue to think about it in, in yeah, the idea of how, how do we, yeah, how do we solve this user problem? The, the agency does still exist. It's thriving. It obviously got hit pretty hard in COVID because it's entirely focused on music and every festival cancelled and every event cancelled. I mean, it was pretty interesting times, obviously, last year with the team needing to do work around sustaining that business and making sure we're looking after the people in that business and helping everything. And obviously the Australian government did an amazing job in, in providing help there whilst but it was obviously problematic from a revenue perspective and then Linktree doing the complete opposite and scaling yeah. pretty, pretty rapidly. So it's a very interesting time seeing kind of both ends of the spectrum and a lot of deep learnings, but Link Bolster is doing amazingly well. Now a lot of music started to come back in Australia and we continue to focus on, you know, that, that team's continuing to focus on it. I was weaning out of Bolster slowly over the last few years. And then as of the start of last year, when we really went out to raise, I obviously went all in on my tree. I wouldn't expect any investor to give us money if uh, we weren't all in on it. And so all, all three founders are really focused on it, which is, yeah, super exciting times. When we first started talking to VCs, the idea of like really understanding the vision and how far this could go was interesting. But with Airtree and Insight, the reason we really ended up choosing them was that they saw it immediately. Uh, Airtree mm. were incredibly in working with us at the start and recognizing it and really understanding that, hey, we're, we're going to need a US investor for us to solve mm. the problem of needing a bigger team outside of Australia. And they supported us and stood by us and helped us find the lead investor but knew from the start about all in and i really appreciate appreciated that obviously and insight the team there recognizing it very quickly and moving very quickly uh and so i think the conviction around that and we're obviously yeah, really proud to have them on the team and i think yeah obviously the, the continued interest from there has been super humbling we wanted to end with a question that we ask every guest which is if you weren't building Linktree if you didn't have your current job, if Linktree did not exist and you were a participant in the passion economy, what would you be doing? Is this like a superpower question? Like I could do anything or is it like, do I need to have my current skill set? I would be curious to hear the aspirational, even if you didn't have the skill set in actuality, what would you, what would your dream creator profession be? It's a very good question. I feel like I would want to be a 
teacher, lecturer of some kind. Oh, I just did, I invested in a business that can turn you into one on the side. Oh, great. It's called Maven. Awesome. Plug for Maven. <laughs> I was going to say like rock star and music or something. I grew up in music and I've always, I, I, I always wanted to. I don't think I would want to be that. I always wanted to sink into the background and be the, the, in the business of music, not not on stage. Right. And, but I think in terms of, I love helping people as well as a music manager. I love helping careers. It definitely come back. Those values come through inventory. And I think the idea of being able to impart knowledge or any kind of knowledge yeah. that I may have and be able to help people. So, yeah. Yeah, I know, that's a great one. Right? Teacher is great. And here's the recent learning that I've had from being one of the founding instructors on Maven and teaching my course about the creator economy recently. I think teachers are about to realize that teaching online is financially so lucrative versus mm. having a traditional teaching job offline. Yeah. Because people are used to paying so much for education. If you have, if you go to business school, if you go to a U.S. undergrad college, like the amount that you're paying for that education is staggering, but teachers are seeing very little of that. So with the internet and going direct to your students, teachers can make a ton of money. Yeah, and I think it's the perfect premise of the passion economy, right? Like people that yes. actually have these skills and seeing the money directly is like, incredible. As long as you're good at something really niche and there's a passionate base of people who also are really interested in that niche, like you can make a healthy living. I think it's also fast, like it's not just teachers but it's also people that have expertise in a field recognizing they can do that and it's a lot of work to put a course together right or a lot of work to put a deck together yeah. to, to impart knowledge in people but the act of doing that synthesizes your knowledge so yes. much it really makes you realize your gaps in the knowledge or uh realize how much you actually do totally. understand this topic and I, every time i actually put the effort into doing that you come out the other side just being able to talk about it more succinctly understand your knowledge of it which i think absolutely is an, an awesome exercise is regardless yeah, exactly. No, I didn't fully realize this before doing my course. The process of building a course and teaching it actually makes the teacher so much smarter because you yeah, have yeah. to think about the content and push it forward and explain it and come up with new ways to make it accessible for people. And you have yeah. insights in the process of building that content totally. and you understand things much better too. It's like that concept of you don't understand it until you can explain it to your grandma. Yeah. Totally. Yes. Totally. Absolutely. What what course would you teach? Oh. And also, it doesn't have to be something that you currently know a lot about. Maybe it could be something that you would want to learn about, and then you would teach it. Oh. Um, it can be a science, meta, metaphysics and like space, mm. astrophysics. Oh, I'm, that is fascinating. I'm obsessed. Love it. With, I love science. So yeah. I, I, if I weren't doing this, I would probably be like, if I were to have to go back to college or or anything i would be doing like behavioral psychology or astrophysics or something like that i, I that's generally like the stuff i'll read about outside of business awesome well thanks so much for being here today and for getting us up to speed on linktree congrats on the recent fundraise really exciting stuff ahead and yeah we're gonna be watching with lots of excitement to see the new developments down the line and continue to just be so impressed with the growth. So congratulations on everything and really appreciate your spending the time with us. Thanks so much, Lynn. Nathan. Yeah, really great to be here and appreciate all your support.